Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. The impact of the COVID-19 pandemic still lingers for many young people. For some, it set them off track to graduation or landing their first job out of school. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Fifteen percent of 16 to 24 year olds in Chicago are neither enrolled in school or in the workforce. But there are efforts across the city working to re-engage those young people and get them into school or a job. To learn more about some of those programs, Chalk Beach Chicago reporter Mila Kumpalova joins us now. So, Mila, what do we mean when we say disengaged youth? Like, who are we talking about? How many of them are there in Chicago? Generally, we're talking about young people between the ages of 16 and 24 who are not going to school or college and are not working. Um, According to the most recent study that I saw with the most recent data from the University of Illinois in Chicago, there are um, about 45,000 um, teens and young adults who fit that description mm. in the city. Are there certain neighborhoods where we're seeing more youth cut off from school and work, like you described? Yes. Um, an, a now defunct nonprofit called Thrive Chicago had looked very closely at what this looks like geographically in the city. And um, perhaps not surprisingly, a lot of these young people are concentrated in areas on the south and west side that have uh, grappled with lack of opportunity, lack of investment, um, gun violence over the years. Mm. This is a longstanding problem, Mila, but I mean, this is one made worse by the pandemic, right? Yes, that is very safe to say. Um, The city was making uh, some headway in the run-up to the pandemic, Um, There was, um, based on data from Thrive, uh, the number stood at about 37,000 on the eve of the pandemic in 2019, Uh, but the the rates of disconnection definitely jumped up during COVID. Let's talk about uh, someone in your story, Alante Wilson. What can you tell us about him? Um, Alante is a... Um, young man, uh, he's 19, um, who grew up on the west side of Chicago and who became completely disengaged from school during the pandemic. He told me that remote learning didn't work for him at all. Um, He um, eventually got shot, um, moved briefly to Florida, where he attended an alternative high school, and then returned to Chicago in um, last year and eventually became got arrested. Mm. And so uh, by, by late last year, he was, um, I think, really grappling with the sense that his life had gotten completely off track and really feeling like he didn't see a very clear path to uh, making what he had hoped of his future. Yeah. I mean, you start the story with the fact that, I mean, he had written off ever even getting a high school diploma, much less, of course, 
a career of any kind. Uh, talk right. more about the, the stakes here. You say the stakes are high in your reporting when it comes to these disconnected teens and, and, and young adults. What exactly is at stake? And I mean, we heard a bit in Alante's story, but talk about the intersection with gun violence throughout this city. Sure. There has been quite a bit of research, both here in Chicago and nationally, looking at the toll that becoming disengaged, even for a fairly short period of time in your teens or early 20s, takes on a, on a young person. Um, so we know that um, there are consequences for these, obviously, for these young people's earnings uh, longer term um, and their ability to build really productive lives, but also there are, there have been, um, there's been fallout that has been documented on their health, their personal relationship, just their overall social emotional development. Um, And here in Chicago, a University of Chicago study found that um, 90% or more of young uh, gun violence victims are disengaged from school. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a there's that strong link there. And not to mention, of course, um, studies that have tried to quantify the significant costs to society mm-hmm. uh, from youth disengagement as well. And the city and, and nonprofits, they've, they've taken a number of approaches over the years to try to address this issue, right? Mila, can you just maybe walk us through some of what's been tried starting maybe about 10 years ago, 2013? Um, there there have been, I think 2013 was a moment in time when nationally and here in Chicago, that issue of youth disconnection really um, started to loom large and there were many more conversations, some new Nonprofits and other organizations, both locally and nationally, started around that time to try to address this issue. Um, and there have been a number of programs here in Chicago uh, that have been launched during that past decade. Um, the school district uh, opened centers in several neighborhoods uh, that were essentially its first attempt to proactively go after dropouts and try to um, get them to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, into the fold. Um, there have been some nonprofits uh, that have been doing work in that space as well. Um, overall, a lot of the efforts have been on a very local, small scale, and uh, many have struggled to engage young people in the longer term to really build relationships with them beyond taking care of some immediate needs. I mean, was there any one model? that was more successful than others? I don't know that we can at this point hold anything up and say this is absolutely the gold standard okay. uh, for what we've, what we've tried here in Chicago, at least. Um, the, the issue is that oftentimes it's just so hard to come up with data on what the outcomes for young people have been, especially when it comes to Um, getting them to complete their education and getting them into stable jobs long term. We just don't know what the what the outcomes have been. Mila, can you talk more about the so-called reconnection hubs that are are run by nonprofits in in Roseland uh, on the far south side and Little Village on the southwest side? How are they helping? 
Sure. So they are supposed to be kind of a one-stop shop for the needs of young people who are not working and not in school. Um, as, as I heard from folks at both of those hubs, oftentimes young people will hear about them and come in with some kind of very specific need or hurdle um, on their way to getting reengaged, reconnected to society. It might be a transportation issue. It might be a childcare issue. Um, they might just need um, some kind of quick pointer or some job leads. Um, and the goal there is to try to take it from there and really build a connection with those young people mm -hmm. and try to shepherd them back into jobs and the work. Force. And as I mentioned before, that's where sometimes it's been more challenging to stay in touch and maintain those relationships. What importance does um, therapy and, and focusing on mental health have when it comes to this process? Um, I, what I heard from both hubs is that a lot of the, perhaps not surprisingly, a lot of the young people who come in um, have experience with trauma that's still affecting them and shaping their lives in the present. Uh, during the pandemic, um, a change that both hubs made was adding a full-time in-house mental health professional to provide both um, individual and group therapy. Okay. And what I heard is that having that service uh, in-house has been really helpful. Um, there's still, as you know, a lot of stigma and reluctance um, in accessing these services for young people, but folks in the hubs felt that that was changing and that actually having these services in-house was helping um, with their efforts to get young people to keep coming back and to stay in touch. Mm -hmm. So let's talk more about the, the new approaches that, that folks are taking then to, to re-engage these young people. What should we know about the, the Back to Our Future program that launched last year? Um, Back to Our Future is a new program that Chicago Public Schools launched with some funding from the state. Um, it's a one-year program um, that attempts to re-engage really the hardest to reach um, young mm -hmm. people who have dropped out of the district. Um, so generally that's folks who have been disengaged from school for a year or longer. And it really throws all of the services that can be helpful at them, uh, especially during this initial 12 week period. Mm -hmm. So they get um, mental health supports, uh, mentoring, um, help getting um, back on track with school or getting their GED, uh, some uh, soft skill jobs training, um, and just some help with figuring out what they might want to do for, for their careers going forward. And they get paid to be in the program during those first oh, wow. weeks as well. Wow, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they're touting this as a, it's a first-of-its-kind program, which, I mean, to me, Mila, sounds too good to be true. I mean, is there a catch? Well, um, there, there are programs along these lines in other places. Yeah. Uh, but the school district here says that as far as they know, none of them are provided by school districts. Um, so oftentimes they are 
these types of efforts come out of the nonprofit philanthropy world. Uh, so that's what the district says is different here. Um, uh, well, I'm also seeing a price tag of 18000 per student. <laughs> that's right. This program is expensive. Um, and I think the district, because it's something new, um, they are starting small and seeing how it goes. And um, I think really the catch is what happens after those first in really intensive 12 weeks Mm -hmm. and what happens in the longer term really um will will the program be able to help kids get back on track long term yeah i mean and and thinking of the long term brings me back to mayor johnson right and we know what he campaigned on and what he's been promising since becoming mayor is you know he's identified young people as his target demographic, right? He says he's going to double jobs, he's going to invest more in programs. He's only so far added about 2,000 positions, which he's, you know, trying to get to like 20,000. So, I mean, anything else you think that he can do to to bolster other efforts while we wait for what's probably going to be a slow burn of the city adding those additional jobs? Right. My sense uh, from... Speaking with folks who are involved with some of these efforts and in just talking to smart people who have looked at this issue here in Chicago and nationally is that something that's often missing is kind of a big picture vision and more coordination between the many nonprofits, government agencies and other organizations that are involved in doing this work. Um, Sometimes As I mentioned, the efforts are really small scale and fragmented uh, with nonprofits that are essentially in competition for grants and other funding out there to support these efforts. And and what these young people really need is um, good referrals, um, good coordination so that their various often complex needs can be met, uh, which oftentimes does not happen in one place. Oh, for sure. Presumably the mayor's office and his administration can bring some of this bigger vision. And I I know in speaking with uh, Jen Johnson, the the new deputy mayor for education, she um, I asked her about this and she said that where she feels the city can do better is really in coordination and collaboration between various departments and the nonprofits out there that are doing this work. Well, real quick, before I let you go, I mean, if someone listening now has a disengaged young person in their life, how can they connect with some of these programs that you mentioned? Um, There's information about uh, connecting with Back to Our Future and referring a young person to the program on the school district's website. Um, So that should be fairly easy to track down. And I do believe that the district is still actively seeking young people who can benefit from this program. Mila Kumpulova is a reporter for Chalkbeat Chicago. Thanks so much, Mila. Thank you for having me.
This Reset Conversation was produced by Michael Liptrot and edited by Micah Yason, Ethan Schwab, and Dan Tucker. Here on Reset, we give you the latest updates on things that are happening right now in our city. So don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss the next conversation. And if you're feeling extra generous today, you could leave us a rating too. We'd really appreciate it. And we appreciate you for listening. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.